Well, good morning, OneChurch.tv. How you guys doing this morning? Fantastic. It sounds like some of you are awake, and I want to welcome everybody in the video theater. What's up, my peeps? And if you're watching us online, so glad that you're here. Uh, my name is Chris Edmonds, and I'm the lead pastor here at OneChurch.tv, and we are starting a new series entitled... This is us. How many of y'all seen, you've actually seen the television program, This Is Us? Let me hear you. Isn't it amazing? I mean, there's not a, at the end of every one, I'm like, where's the tissues? Oh my gosh. So, and it, and it actually comes on this week. So anyway, that's the reason why we're starting this series, This Is Us, this week. And what we're going to be talking about over the next six weeks, Carlo and I, is we're going to be looking at what makes us, us. What makes our core values, our mission, our strategy, our vision here at OneChurch.tv so very special? And uh, I'm really excited about this because today I am going to be sharing with you the exact same message that I shared with our very first group of people that started this church, um, and it was called our launch team. And we had about 30 people uh, on our launch team, uh, and we started meeting January the 23rd of 2007. So I'm going to share with you the same message I shared with them. Uh, but before I do that, I just want to stroll down memory lane. So um, if you would just uh, so let me, uh, because I want to talk about how this church was started. You know, it's important how a church gets started because over my years of ministry, one of the things I've learned is that most churches get started not by church planners, but by church splitters. That people just can't get along with one another, people can't accept one another, and people can't uh, continue to be friends. And that is not how this church got started. Um, I, just to leave you a little bit about me, I am from here. Uh, I'm from Clarksville, and uh, I grew up in a church downtown, a church called First Baptist Church of Clarksville, Tennessee. I grew up there as a kid. Um, I accepted Christ there. I got baptized there. I started my ministry there when I was in college. I started teaching sixth grade boys in Sunday school. I even got married there. Um, my wife and I, Kim, uh, we got married there December 11th of 1993. Uh, how many of y'all were not alive then? Yeah, y'all be quiet. All right, anyway, um, we left uh, to go to Dallas Seminary uh, in 93, and uh, we were gone for 13 years, and I was in various states and uh, serving on various church staffs until we moved back uh, April of 2006 because my home church, Clark, First Baptist Clarksville, asked me to start a church for people who don't go to church in the North Clarksville area. So we, uh, we started talking about it. We didn't have a name yet. We had about 30 people. And we started meeting every Wednesday night at a coffee house uh, downtown. And we met for 13 weeks before we launched of September 9th of 2007. What's so interesting, I have an MP3 recording of our very first meeting. So you're welcome to listen to it. Here it is. Last week, we talked about our strategy, which is based upon a house. Somebody tell me, what's the first uh, room that you come into? Foyer. foyer. And foyer is made for what type of people? Guests. All right. Made for the guests, the unchurched. <laughs> Don't make me come over there. Our foyer environment will be what? For, uh, for everyone. Worship, Sunday morning, all right? The next environment that we talked about was what? Living room. All right, now. Give me some knucks on that, baby. All right. 
Uh, this is where the guests become friends. It's a little bit smaller environment. Uh, and uh, it's really the next step from the foyer going to the next one, which is what is the next environment? The kitchen. It's where guests become friends, become family. What is our kitchen environment? So that's uh, our very first meeting. Um, and over the next four months, we met every Wednesday night as a launch team so that we could figure out what we're going to do. We talked about our vision, our mission. Uh, we got uh, all of our children's ministry stuff together, and we came up with a name, uh, a name. Uh, and uh, that was kind of interesting. I'm going to share with you how we got that. We started advertising on the back of the Clarksville family. Uh, here's a couple of the back covers, advertising our preview service on July 15th, and then our uh, service on September 9th of 2007. And we did a lot of things that summer in our community to get our name out. Um, we had a bunch of backyard Bible clubs. And what that was, and there's going to be some pictures rotating here, uh, we actually went to people's backyards and for a week uh, we shared with them and we had like puppets, we did all this stuff, anything that we could do. Uh, and it, was, it got a little crazy. We did about 15 of those during the summer. Then uh, we also uh, partnered with Northeast High School's basketball coach and we did uh, basketball camp actually here uh, in uh, the parking lot of the Great Escape Movie Theater. And um, so we had uh, a little over a thousand people at that camp. And then we did a couple of movie nights. And uh, what that was is uh, whatever was showing uh, at the movie, we actually set up in the party room here. And we just kind of discussed people who wanted. We gave away free coffee for the lines. And by, by the way, look at this. You see our logo, what it looked like? Uh, that, that OC, the circle in the C, so I like our current logo better. So what's so cool at this event, Nick and Tracy Belfield went to go see Spider-Man 3, and they were the very first people that we ever baptized here at OneChurch.tv. It's really, really cool. So um, we decided up front that we were going to do anything short of sin to reach people for Jesus. In fact, that's still one of our core values. So, again, we just decided to get our name out, which is One Church. Now, how, how do we get the name One Church? Well, it comes from a, a verse in the Bible, John seventeen twenty one, and Jesus says this, I pray that you will all be what? One, just as me and my Father are one, and I am in you, and that they may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. And I love that verse because, uh, you know, there's so many denominations and so many churches because they can't get along. And it could it be the reason why more people aren't beginning a relationship with God is because we can't love well? that we don't show that we are one. So we just decided from the get-go, we're not going to be about a denomination or a label. We're going to be about Jesus Christ. So uh, that's when we launched. And we launched with, a, like I said, about 30 people. Here's a list of names. It's on the screen. Um, in fact, we still have some of these folks still with us today. Uh, and so grateful for all of these people's sacrifice. Let me show you a couple of pics of our first Sunday um, uh, 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 that we actually happened there. Um, this is actually our church uh, praying over our launch team uh, before we actually launched our church on September the 9th. This is on September the 2nd. And uh, our very first sermon series was called STDs. <laughs> Spiritually transmitted diseases. I, I, I want to preach that one again, Luther. I do. That was fun. And then our next sermon series after that was something called Mythbusters. 
And basically what I talked about is, do all religions lead to God? Does God want me to be happy? Um, uh, is sin no big deal? Stuff like that. So, And we sent out uh, flyers in the community, direct mailers. And we did a lot of things. Uh, what, let me tell you, uh, as they kind of scroll through uh, some of these pictures, um, over the past 10 years, uh, I have preached 145 teaching series. That's quite a lot. I didn't know it was that many. And we have preached through 43 different books of the Bible. In fact, here's some of our sermon series right here. This is going to go through them pretty quickly. Some of my, my top few. I love that one. John minus Kate leaves eight. And Ecclesiastes, keep on going. Just keep on going fast, 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 fast. Uh, all this stuff. There's so much that we, we've done um, that we've just had a great time. It's been really, really fun. So um, uh, Easter 2008, uh, we realized that uh, our church uh, was growing and we needed to go to two services. So uh, we went to two services, uh, a 9 and a 1030. And uh, from there, we realized that uh, it was a struggle. By the way, uh, you can download our One Church app for free on your smartphone and you can listen to the past 10 years worth of sermons. So if you're struggling with sleeping, I'm, I can woo you to sleep. Anyway, so... Um, so anyway, uh, and so in, in 2008, we went to two services. It wasn't working here at the theater because technology really wasn't invented yet that we can do o- overflow and video theaters and stuff like that. So we decided to move to the local high school, Northeast High School. We were there for eight years. And um, in October of 2014, we purchased some land right next to Sonic here. And that is, God willing, going to be our permanent location for OneChurch.tv. Uh, and then uh, in uh, the summer of 2016, we left the, uh, the school and we moved back to the movie theater. And we love that because popcorn smells better than puberty anyway, right? And, um, and then uh, the fall of 2016, we've had a fantastic church and a fantastic church staff come and join us along with the journey. A shout out to Grace Life folks and Pastor Carlo. Um, uh, just a fantastic, uh, fantastic group of people. Over the past 10 years, get this, we baptized, uh, we baptized over 620 people. We have seen over 10,000 people come through our doors. We've seen over 1,200 people begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. Our church is primarily a, a military church. Um, 85% of our church is military, which means about every year, two years, people PCS, and Uncle Sam moves them away. So about every year, about 40% of our church leaves. In fact, from 2016 to 2017, 70% of our church PCSed. So, and you're like, well, how did you, how did you do that? Through a whole lot of prayer, crying, and counseling. I got to be honest with you. Because I, I, we love people here. God gives us some of the best people out there, I truly believe. In fact, I want to show you just a video of baptisms. Go ahead and start rolling that. These, this is a five-minute clip of just all the people that we baptized here at OneChurch.tv. Their stories, their, their, their stories of life change. And the thing I want you to just kind of look as I, as I continue preaching is a lot of these people that you see get baptized are later going to be baptizing other people in this video. Uh, let me give you some examples. Um, you're going to see Katie Matthews get baptized, and then Katie is going to be baptizing someone else. And then Katie comes on our church staff 
what's amazing. You're going to see CJ get baptized and then CJ baptizing someone else. In fact, CJ, uh, he is leading our one-up ministry this morning. You're going to see Scotty Boyette get baptized and you're going to see Scotty baptizing someone else. You're going to see Dave Thompson get baptized and then Dave, he's going to baptize somebody else. And then Dave comes, our, our student pastor, he comes on our staff. And how Katie's story impacts CJ's story, that impacts Dave's story, that impacts Scotty's story, that impacts Mel's story. And it just goes on and on and on. Look at all of these faces. And what's so amazing is when we started 10 years ago, these 30 people that started this church had no idea that the people behind me, lives would be changed. They had no idea that 10,000 people would walk through these doors. They had no idea that 620 people would get baptized. I mean, that is amazing stuff, guys. I know for some of you it's like, oh, you know, big deal. No, no, no. The one thing we get excited the most about here is baptisms. It's just a fact because that represents life change. That represents somebody beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we believe that's what it's all about. It's all about that. So today, as is on our 10th year, as we start this new series, when we started One Church back in 2007, our vision from the beginning was we wanted to create a church that unchurched people love to attend. That 88% of the people here in Clarksville are unchurched, don't go to church anywhere. That figure is astounding. Think about that. Nine out of 10 people this morning, they're at home. They're not at church. They're at home. That's 125,000. 274 people. So when we started one church, we knew one thing. That Clarksville just didn't need another church. There were tons of mainstream, fantastic churches with steeples that 88% of people don't attend. But see, what Clarksville needs is a church for people who don't go to church. An environment where people who attend church can bring their friends who don't go to church, who don't know all the stories, don't know all the songs, but was willing to get messy with people. And I believe that is Jesus' mission. That's what we are to be about, is to get messy with people. In fact, Jesus said it this way, I came to seek and to save those who are lost. Luke 19.10. That's his mission. That should be our mission. And what is so amazing as I process through this is the most baffling thing about Jesus when he showed up 2,000 years ago as a religious leader. He was a religious leader, but he spent very little time with religious people. Think about that. He was a religious leader, but he spent very little time with the religious people of that day. The people that Jesus hung out was with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and whores and people who were unclean, people who had diseases. The people who were unlike him liked Jesus. Isn't that amazing to me? I mean, that just kind of rocks my world. That as you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he didn't gravitate towards religious people. So here you have a religious leader that's not gravitating towards religious people. He was sent from God, but he didn't seem to pursue people who were considered the most godly at the time. The people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus, and get this, they liked him back. They actually liked him. If you want to do something fun, read the book of Mark. And just circle or highlight the word crowd. 
Because there's a crowd in almost every chapter. Why? Because everywhere Jesus went, he drew a what? Crowd. There were, there were all of these people who were nothing like him, and yet for some reason they liked being around him. Let me just, if I could just bring this down. Do you know what the church is today? The church is the body of Christ. The church is Jesus' body, which means what was true of Jesus personally should be true of us collectively. That what was true of Jesus personally, the people that were nothing like him actually liked him. And that people were drawn to him even though they really didn't get him and they really didn't believe everything that he believed and they really didn't get everything that he taught. I mean, we're still trying to figure out how he taught and what he taught. This should be true of us. So what was him true of him personally should be true of us collectively. And that the people who were so unlike Jesus like Jesus. I wonder why people don't like the church today. Because we are to be his body. We should be the most likable people in our community. Whether people agree with us or not, whether they ever come to this church or not, people should like us even though they're nothing like us. And so for 10 years, that's what we've been doing. That's been our mission. Our mission has been to sort of line up with the posture of Jesus. Specifically, we wanted to be in the habit of resisting the things that makes Christianity and church so resistible. So for the rest of our time this morning, I'm going to teach to you the very first talk I ever gave to our launch team meeting back in January 23rd, 2007. If you have your Bibles or if you have your Bible, Bible app, go ahead and turn to Luke 15. And we're going to be looking at the Luke chapter 15 starting in verse 1. Look at this. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Two, two types of people. Who are they? Tax collectors and other notorious sinners. So you got two groups of people wanting to be around Jesus, even though they were nothing like Jesus. By the way, I want to shout, have a shout out. I see you. And a couple of the employees of the chopping block are here. Let's give it up to them right now. So, all right. Love you guys. So... Um, this made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law do what? Complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. I mean, this man welcomes sinners and even eats with them. I mean, we get it. You came as a religious leader, but you'd never invite us over, Jesus. You never call me on Saturday night and say, hey, what you doing, boo? I mean, Jesus, you came as a religious leader, but you don't hang out with religious folk. You like hanging out with the non-religious people. You say that you're from God, and yet all the wrong people are attracted to you. Why were so many jacked up people wanting to be close to Jesus? And why did Jesus like hanging out with jacked up people? That's the question we're going to answer today. And Jesus answers it by telling three stories, or some people call them parables which is a story with a point. This is the first one, verse 3. So Jesus told them this story. If you have 100 sheep and one of them strayed away and was lost in the wilderness, wouldn't you leave the 99 others to go and search for the lost one until you found it? And everybody in Jesus' audience is going, yeah, that's exactly what we'd do. Yeah, yeah. If we had 100 sheep and one of them wandered away, we would go and we would leave the 99 and we're going to go after that one that's lost. Verse 5. And then you would joyfully carry it home on your shoulders. 
When you arrived, you would call together your friends and your neighbors, and you would do what? Rejoice. Listen to the emotion of that word. Because with you, because your lost sheep is what? Found. Everybody in Jesus' audience is going like, "Mm -hmm. that's right. That's exactly what we do. If you found something that's lost, it's valuable, um, uh, you, you would feel good about it. And Jesus' point is simply this, and it's true of all of us. Think about this. When we lose something of value, we focus on what is lost to the neglect of what is unlost. Isn't that true? And some of you are thinking, nah, I don't know. Okay, think about this. If your wife calls you up, if your spouse calls you up and says, Oh, no, I've, been lost, I've lost my engagement ring. But then she says, Oh, but don't worry, I, I still have my cell phone. You're like, yeah, you're calling me from your cell phone, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. You still lost it, right? I mean, you lost your engagement. That, there's an emotional there. I mean, when you lose something of value, you focus on what is lost to the exclusion of what is unlost. And Jesus goes on because everybody gets this. You get this. I get this. In the same way, heaven will be happier. Again, look at the emotion there. Over one lost sinner who comes to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. You know, this is kind of offensive to both groups. It's offensive uh, to the tax collectors and the sinners because we're like, are you saying we're lost? But the Pharisees are really ticked by this. I mean, the Pharisees who just thinks that God is all about them all the time. And, and, I mean, God should be thinking of us all the time. I mean, we're still here. I mean, we're, we haven't left anywhere. And you're, like, telling me, Jesus, that God is more interested in them? I mean, these jokers I wouldn't even invite over to my house. That, God, you're more interested in them than in me? Before Jesus can leave, before they can leave, Jesus continues. Or suppose a woman has ten valuable silver coins, to which we're like, okay, big deal. He got 10 dimes. Some of y'all, like, that's 50 cent, right? I, I like it. He's a good rapper. One quarter, two dimes, and a nickel. I, no, I'm not talking about that, right? Ten, this isn't 10 dimes. Let me explain what this was. These were very valuable several coins, and this was like a dowry. This was a, a woman who was not yet married, and they would have these 10 valuable silver coins, and it was kind of like bait. Hey, if, if, you, if you marry my daughter, you'll get this wealth. Right? So you may not like that, but that's just how it was in that culture, right? So uh, it was like a dowry, and it was like, listen, these coins were a promise that once you marry my daughter, you get this wealth. So think of it that way. Think of it almost like it is an engagement ring. Very valuable. So suppose a woman has ten valuable silver coins and then loses one. She looks at her headband in the mirror, and one, two, three, four, four, and there's one that's hanging, a thread hanging. There is no coin there. It would be like wearing an engagement ring with one of the stones that is missing. You would want to find the stone, right? Won't she light a lamp and look in every corner of the house and sweep every nook and cranny until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call her friends and her neighbors to, look at the emotion, rejoice with her because she has what? found her lost coin. And he's going to the emotion of when you lose something of value and you find it, you're happy. Because when you lose something of great value, you and I will go to great lengths to find it. So think about that. So he's got their interest, and they're shaking their head, and all the women are going, yeah, that's exactly right. You know, if we lost the one coin, we would do that. 
And all the guys are like, yeah, if we lost the one sheep, we would leave the 99. Yeah, I get that. But Jesus, what's your point? I mean, is there a punchline here? I mean, I mean, where are you going with this? He's got their interests, just like he has ours. And then he launches into this third and most powerful and most popular story. To illustrate this point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now instead of waiting until you die. So this father's wealthy, and the younger son essentially says to the father, you know, Dad, when you die, I'm going to get half of everything. Well, it just seems like you're never going to die. I mean, by the time you die, I'm going to be so old that I'm, I, when I get half this stuff, I'm not going to be able to do anything with it anyway. So I want this stuff now. I got plans, Dad. So let's just pretend that you're dead. I'm going to get half of what you get anyway when you kick the bucket. So why don't you just go ahead and give it to me now? Imagine if one of your kids said that to you. This son, what we see is this son was long gone relationally. Long before he ever left home. The relationship with his father was broken. And the amazing thing about this is that the father, he wants to reconnect with his son so much that he chooses the shortest route back. He knows that the relationship's broken. He knows that the son is distanced. He knows that the, his son never takes his earbuds out when he's talking to him. He knows, knows that the son never participates in dinner. The son is always on his phone and never will make eye contact with him. He's, he's already gone. He's just physically there. So the father wants him back, and not just his body, because his body is still there. The father chooses the shortest route back, and he funds his departure. He says, you know what? I'm going to agree to it. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his two sons. The father loved his son more than he loved his own reputation and more than he loved his own stuff. So the son packs everything up, hugs his dad awkwardly and his mom awkwardly, and he says, deuces, holla, right? And he goes off to Las Vegas. He goes off to... Seattle, Washington. He goes any place where weed is legal. Right? He goes, I mean, he is going to sow some wild oats. He's going to go where he can just, I mean, where the women flow like the salmon of Capistrano. He is just, he wants to just have fun. Right? So he goes somewhere and he buys a, a condo. He buys a nice car. He probably gets a cat. And everything is okay for a while. Everything is okay for a while. Until one day, his son gets overwhelmed. The son eventually gets overwhelmed by the realization that he is disconnected. He's disconnected. Eventually, not initially, but eventually, once the money runs out, the son in the story gets overwhelmed by the realization that he's lost. And he starts missing home. He starts missing home, and he's wondering, does home miss me? He's missing home, and he's wondering, I wonder if my mom is missing me. I wonder if my, my dad is missing me. And he thinks, you know what? I want to go back. I want to go back. 
but I can't go back as a son. I, I, I burnt that bridge. I told my dad, I, I want you dead. I can't, I can't go back. But you know what? I can go back as a, maybe one of the hired servants. I can go back as some of the help. Yeah, that's what I'll do. And he decides to pack up the very little he has left because he's burnt through his dad's, all of the stuff. It took years to accumulate. He's got nothing to his name. And he says, I want, I'm missing home. And I wonder if home is missing me. I know when I get home, I'm not going to measure up. There's some of you who are here today, and you're wondering that same thing. You're wondering simply this. I'm far from God. I'm not where I need to be right now. I, I, I want to come back. But I wonder, is God really missing me? I, I, I don't know if there's a place for me. I don't know if I'll ever measure up like that person or that person. or I don't know if I'll ever be as good as them. Or I, I'm missing what I once had. But I wonder, is God missing me? And if you would have surveyed the people in Jesus' audience of that day, the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious goody tissues, if you would have surveyed them, the religious leaders would have said, nope, God ain't missing you. He doesn't miss you. In fact, he is disgusted by you. He is embarrassed by you. And if you would have surveyed the people in Jesus' audience, the tax collectors, the sinners, the prostitutes, if you would have asked them, does God miss you? They would have said, no. I think God hates me. I think God doesn't love me. There's no way God could love me. God is disgusted by me. He's embarrassed with me. You know how the story goes. The son takes a chance. So he decides to start going back home. And he is walking up to his father's house. And what happens next in this story will blow your mind, just like it blowed the minds of the people that Jesus was speaking to. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a, let's say it all together, a long distance away, his father saw him coming, which means his father was looking. He saw him coming, and he was filled with... Look at this. What do you put in that blank? Because some of you, let me tell you, some of you, this is what you would put in that blank. The father was filled with anger. Because you've seen a dad get angry at you. You've seen a dad blow up at you. You've seen a mom lose her cool. Some of you, you would fill that, that blank with disgust, embarrassment, There's no way you could ever be my son again. What do you fill that blank with? Let's see how God fills the blank. His father saw him coming and he was filled with, look at this, love and compassion. Let me just stop right here and say this. If you're a person who is far away from God this morning, when you look back at your heavenly father's direction, do you know what he feels? Compassion. Not anger. He feels love, not disgust, not embarrassment. He longs for a relationship with you, and he is missing you. 
He wants to get reconnected with you. His father saw him coming and was filled with love and compassion. And he ran to his son and he kissed him. Jesus' point was that the father desired a relationship. The father desired a relationship, not a GPS coordinate. Everybody know what I'm talking about? I got three boys. Two of my boys got phones. I can look and I can see where my 18-year-old is at any time. You know what I'm saying? Let me tell you what I want is I just don't want a GPS coordinate with my sons. I want a relationship with them. It's not about knowing where your son is and all the time. Like, where's my son? Can somebody tell me where my son is? No, not, this wasn't like that in this time. Not spatially, it's relationally. What the father wanted more than anything in the world was to be reconnected to his son. The father ran in the son's direction, and the father accepts his son and throws a pate for him. He gets excited. Look at verse 22. But his father said to his servants, Quick! Bring the finest robe in the house. Put it on him. Get a ring for his finger. This reestablished his sonship. Get sandals on his feet. Kill the calf that we have been fattening in the pen. We're going to have some ribeye tonight. Right? We must celebrate with a what? Feast. For this son of mine, and look at the categories up here. This son of mine was dead, but now he is returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And look at here, so the party began. Now, what, what I love about this is this, this son was in this column right here. He was dead. He was lost. He, he was dead, and now he's alive. He was lost, not so much like he was lost like, hey, where's my son at? Everybody knew where the son was at. I'm sure the father had his friends all the time coming up, do you know where your son's at? I, I, I saw I saw in Clarksville now, I saw the mugshots. Just saying, do you know what your son's doing? And the father's like, yeah, I, I know. I know, I know what he's doing. His father knew where his son was. He had the GPS coordinate. He had to find my iPhone. But he was dead, and now he's alive. He was lost to me, and now he's found to me. He was disconnected, and now he is connected. And that means you have to throw party. You see, we need to be party people. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We need to have a whole lot more parties. And some of you are like, church, have a party? What type of church is this? Right? Well, it's the type of church that God loves because God throws a party for people who are disconnected who come back. And that's what this church is about. You hear what I'm saying? That's what we will always be about. We will always be looking to the horizon with our eyes on the road, looking for those who are lost, who are coming back to Jesus. And that means we throw a party. That means this is how your Savior, my Savior, our Savior sees everybody in your neighborhood. This is how everybody at your work, he sees them. 
as somebody he longs to have a relationship with. Everybody in your middle school, everybody in your high school, everybody in your first period, everybody in your Algebra 2 class, everybody on your third floor, all the employees here at the movie theater, how God sees them as he wants to have a relationship with them. Every single person you ever come eyeball to eyeball with, a Republican, a Democrat, heterosexual, homosexual, transgender, God loves everyone. That means we should love everyone. For God so loved the... How many of y'all are on this world? Let me hear you. If you didn't cheer, I don't know where you at today. Uh, you may be on Saturn, Uranus. I knew I shouldn't have said that. You're somewhere, all right? You're somewhere, but you ain't here on this earth. For God so loved the world, Right? And this answers the question, why would Jesus, a religious leader, spend so much time with people who were irreligious? The reason why Jesus spent time with disconnected people is because they were disconnected. Because that is the apple of his eye. By the way, how many of y'all have ever been disconnected with God? That's that's 100% people. You see, the reason why it's kind of obnoxious that I should even talk about this.